Today on Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Ballmer, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne in Melbourne, Florida. I run across them often. Well, I got baptized back in Church X. Everything's cool. Haven't been serving God since, but everything's all right. No, everything isn't all right. You're saved by grace, but there needs to be fruits of repentance, as you see from Matthew. There has to be fruits of repentance. That shows that there's a change. So these guys just don't do the outside. You're going to see that they're going to go in. There's going to be worship. There's going to be a whole change. Yeah, it's you I'm talking to. Get right with God. Make sure there's change. Listen, if you've fallen away from the Lord, no matter how far or how deep the wounds go, there can be restoration and change. But like all good things, it will take patience and work. When you've been so tied up in the world, untangling yourself is not an overnight job. But if God is the priority, it will happen. Today in Second Chronicles, a king in Judah begins to put in order everything that was neglected when the Lord was put aside by the nation. He assures the people that they will be comforted, protected, and prospered by the one true God once he is the priority again. You can be assured of that too. Let him protect your healing heart. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now let's join Pastor Mark in the book of 2 Chronicles chapter 28, verse 22 for our continuing study entitled, Reopen and Repair. When you leave here tonight, some things you're going to learn. One is to be a God pleaser. Absolutely. And second, you'll know that you will worship someone or something. So they even do more than's really needed. They clothe them, they put them back, they give them transportation, they send them back to their land. Now, verse 16 through 21 kind of gives another battle. You, You would think that King Ahaz, after he's defeated, would go, Okay, God, I can see now, lost 120,000 men, 200,000 of the women, children were gone, they're coming back now, I'm going back to you. But no, at that time King Ahaz sent to the king of Assyria for help. The Edomites had come and again and attacked Judah and carried away the prisoners, while the Philistines had raided the towns in the foothills and the Negev of Judah. They captured and occupied these cities with the surrounding villages. And the Lord humbled Judah again now in verse 19. Why? Because of Ahaz, king of Israel, for he had promoted wickedness in Judah and had been most unfaithful to the Lord. So what happened? Tiglath-Pileser, king of Assyria, came to him, but he gave him trouble instead of help. In other words, he called him to help him, but this guy took over. Ahaz had to go so far, in verse 21, that he took some of the things of the temple of the Lord from the royal palaces and from the princes and presented them to the king of Assyria, but that did not help. In other words, the guy he called on to help turned around and took him over. So now he's giving him things, gold. Well, that's please you. No, that's not enough. And it just gets worse and worse. Verse 22 is a very important verse for us. What happens when we're in trouble? In the time of trouble, King Ahaz became even more unfaithful to the Lord. Now, in the time of trouble, we want to do exactly the opposite. We want to come to God. We want to say, help! But you know what we often do? 
just like you see here. We get blinded by our sin. A couple things happen. When we've sinned and we're guilty, you can follow through on your own life. Our first response is to blame somebody else. Well, probably our first response is to say, it's not me. I didn't sin. But then when we know we did, we try to blame somebody else. And then Satan comes to us. You've been there. And he starts to condemn us. So when he condemns us, we sometimes then feel bad. And when we feel bad, what do we do? We stay away from God. We stay away from the small group. We stay away from our friends that are Christians. We stop coming to church on a regular basis. We feel sorry for ourselves. And pretty soon we're down this road farther than we've ever thought we've gone before. So in the times of trouble, Romans tells us that what will happen is there is no condemnation if we'll come back to God and say, God, I sinned. Forgive me. By the way, when you ask him, does he? You know often that we don't believe that? They come back and he said, well, he couldn't have. It's too hard for you. I mean, you just did too bad. No, he forgives us. And he forgets. And then we start again. Now, I'll have a little clause to that later when I'm finished teaching. But that's true right to that point. So if you feel condemned after you've done that, is that God? Absolutely not. And see, when we feel condemned, then we want to separate ourselves from the people at church. The very thing that we just see Ahaz doing here, he, he gets more unfaithful because he sinned. No, we want to become more faithful. We want to get back to the house of God. Now, sometimes we can be the cause of that. We can be condemning when we're welcoming people back in. Don't be that way. Be graceful. Come on back. It's going to be all right. God will forgive you. Let's move on. That's the way God dealt with Peter. All the disciples, we need to do the same. Now, by the way, maybe if you're here tonight, and by chance you walked in, <laughs> not a chance. If you're thinking about coming back, come on back. Nothing would please the heart of God more. Just come on back. Just come on back. Verse 23, he offered sacrifices to the God of Damascus who had defeated him. For he thought, here's where we get in trouble. Since the gods of the king of Aram have helped them, I will sacrifice to them so they will help me. But they were his downfall and the downfall of all Israel. Ahaz gathered together the furnishings from the temple of God. Look what he does now. And took them away. So he empty as a garage sale for the temple. He shut the doors of the Lord's temple. He shut the doors. And he set up altars at every street corner in Jerusalem. In every town in Judah, he built high places to burn sacrifices to the other gods and provoke the Lord, the God of his fathers, to anger. So Ahaz does what? He goes and begins worshiping the gods of the conquerors. He destroys God's equipment, the holy equipment in the temple. He shuts the door. He establishes pagan shrines on every corner. And over the temple, you can see a sign. Just visualize it. Closed for business. What do you think that did in the heart of God? Sometimes we forget who's watching all this. Now, the end of verse 26 to 27 just talks about his death. Let's head on to chapter 29. Finally now in chapter 29... We get some good news. Can I hear an amen? amen. Ooh, it's good. Refreshing. <laughs> Verse 1. Hezekiah was 25 years old when he became king. And he reigned in Jerusalem 29 years. And his mother's name was Abijah, daughter of Zechariah. And he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. <laughs> Praise God. Just as his father David had done. Notice, in the first month of the first year, 
of his reign. He what? Opened the doors of the temple and repaired them. I like this. Here the godly king comes. Right away, he starts to do what is right. No more talk, no more excuses. He just starts doing it right away. On the first month of the first year. By the way, it's never too late to start doing right. We would look at that door and go, not a chance. I mean, why even attempt it? It's done. It's gone. There's nothing there. All the tools are gone. The place is going. It's shrines everywhere. It's just too big a project. No. He knew what he needed to do. He started to do it. He reopened the doors and he started the repair. You see, what Hezekiah was doing physically in that building was set an example for the people. He was going to say to them by this that God and change and restoration are going to happen. And you must realize that God has to be a priority in your life. Notice how he pulls this off. Verse 4. He brought in the priests and the Levites and assembled them in the square on the east side. And he said, listen to me, Levites, consecrate yourselves now. And consecrate the temple of the Lord, the God of your fathers. Remove all defilement from the sanctuary. Real restoration and change always must start with the leadership. Hezekiah knew this. And he knew that Judah had fallen into all of this because the king had led the people into pagan worship. So Hezekiah comes and he goes to the priests and the Levites, the spiritual people. Remember in the Old Testament, you couldn't go to God. And God didn't come to us. The priest was the one who was the intermediary. The priest stood between God and man, both directions. So Hezekiah is wise enough, and he knows the old saying, the blind lead the blind, and they all fall in the ditch. So he says, let's open the eyes of the spiritual leaders. And he says to them, you're going to have to do what's right. You're going to have to consecrate yourself first. Make yourself holy. Set yourself apart from God. You can't be offering the sacrifices if your heart is not right. Let me just challenge all of you that are leaders tonight. In whatever form you are in this church, from the children's minister, wherever, that's the key. Our heart has to be right with God. I can teach any subject within reason, but I only reproduce who I am. Did you get me? I can teach pretty much everything. Some things I wouldn't be very good at. But I can teach it. But I only reproduce who I am. So that's a huge difference between what comes out of my mouth and how I live. That's the problem in our homes. I have lots of nice words coming out, but the parents don't match that. So they're not reproducing godly children. They're reproducing those that are just like them, not from their words, but from their actions. I learned a long time ago in church ministry, rebels reproduce more rebels. That's why you don't want rebels in leadership. You don't want people that are angry and always at you and always fussing and nothing's ever right and they're against unity. You need to get rid of those people because they're a cancer in leadership. So notice what he does. He goes right smack dab to the leadership. If you're a leader, let me ask you, is your heart full on for God? Let me read you in 1 Peter chapter 1. It says this, But just as he who has called you is holy... So be holy in all you do, for it is written, verse 16, Be holy, for I am holy. We have great standards for elders and pastors. Second Timothy, Titus, standards that are very high. 
Standards that are high also for deacons and deaconesses in that same area. Verse 6. Now our faith, our fathers were unfaithful. They did evil in the eyes of the Lord our God and forsook him. They turned their faces away from the Lord's dwelling places and turned their backs on him. They also shut the doors of the portico and put out the lamps. They did not burn incense or present any burnt offerings at the sanctuary to the God of Israel. Therefore the anger of the Lord has fallen on Judah and Jerusalem. He has made them an object of dread and horror and scorn as you can see with your own eyes. Verse 9 tells us what happened. This is why our fathers have fallen by the sword and why our sons and daughters and wives are in captivity. See, some of them were still in captivity. Now I intend to make a covenant with the Lord, the God of Israel, so that his fierce anger will turn away from us. Verse 11, my sons do not be, here's a word you want to circle, negligent. For the Lord has chosen you to stand before him and serve him, to minister before him, and to burn incense. So what he was saying, Hezekiah was saying to his leadership is this. This is no time to be playing at your relationship with God. We have gone so far from God as a nation. You must come back. You must be disciplined. You must be efficient. And I just want to congratulate you guys tonight. And I think it's, it's a proud thing that you guys, as you serve here, are serving with excellence. You see, that is something we want to be known for in this community. And excellence just means that we're loving people as Jesus would have loved people. That we're doing everything we can within the reasonable means that we have to make sure that everything my hand touches is done with excellence. Now, not perfection. There isn't any of us here that can go that far. That's God. Perfection only belongs to Him, but with excellence. And I thank you, because that's what makes this place different, because we care. See, and that has to come, and I, I hope that comes from us in leadership. That's our goal. That's our desire, is for you to see that we take this place seriously, because we're representing God. From the office to the parking lot to the vacuum, it doesn't matter. We're representing God. And I know you know that, and thanks so much. And this is what he says here. He says, have a strong commitment. No time to be negligent now. You clean it up and do it as if you're doing it under God, because you are. Verse 29, here you are. Then these Levites set to what? There's that four-letter word. What is it? Yeah, it's just plain old work. And you can read all those names, because it's work. Now, verse 15. <laughs> and when they had assembled the brothers and consecrated themselves... They went in to purify the temple of the Lord as the king had ordered, following the word of the Lord. And the priest went into the sanctuary of the Lord to purify it. They brought out of the courtyard the Lord's temple everything unclean that they found in the temple of the Lord. The Levites took it and carried it out to the Kidron Valley. They began the consecration on the first day of the month, and by the eighth day of the month they reached the portico of the Lord. For eight more days they consecrated the temple of the Lord itself, finishing on the sixteenth day of the first month. So they got right to work. There was no procrastination. Notice, to get all these things back into place, into order, it just took time. So remember that. As we're doing things for the Lord, it takes time to do these things. And just do them. No hesitation. You can't get where we always want to be on day one. So we just keep plugging away. Keep thinking about it. Keep praying about it. 
as you head out in the ministry or some of you want to be in the ministry, some of you want to do other things, it just takes time. Don't get discouraged. It's coming. Rest. God will take it. It'll be there. Now, verse 18. Then they went to King Hezekiah and reported, We have purified the entire temple of the Lord, the altar burnt offering, all its utensils, and the table for setting out of the consecrated bread with all its articles. We have prepared and consecrated all the articles that King Ahaz removed in his unfaithfulness while he was king. They are now in front of the Lord's altar. So what happens? Everything changed. It was back in order. Everything was right. Say with me. It was right. It was right before God. Now, let me just comment on something. And I see this happening in our age more than I would like to see what's happening. If there's going to be real repentance in our lives, there will be real change. See, we're saved by grace. But from time to time, people will call or talk or I'll counsel or, you know, I just hear people talking. And their concept is this. Once they come to God, kind of like this, they, they get the temple all cleaned out, they get their temple all cleaned out, come to God, then they go just live like they want to live. Well, no. Real change, and you're going to see in a moment, isn't just this external stuff in the temple. Pretty soon we're going to be offering sacrifices. Or we're going to be burning incense. I mean, it's a lifestyle. It's going to be ongoing. So one of the things, if you're here tonight and, and uh, you came to the Lord, but you came to the Lord, as uh, I've said to you many times, as fire insurance. And you just have this little piece of paper. I came to the Lord back in 1993, and I you know, haven't seen God since, but I'm going to heaven. No, I spoke about a place you're going to tonight. It's not heaven. Where is it? It's hell. And you say, well, that's not biblical. Yes, it is biblical. See, in the last days, Jesus says this to many people in front of him. Why do you call me Lord, Lord? Don't do what I say. He said, when they stood before him, I never knew you. See, you know, we quote them and go, I never knew you. But people are confused. I run across them often. Well, I got baptized back in church X. Everything's cool. Haven't been serving God since, but everything's all right. No, everything isn't all right. You're saved by grace, but there needs to be fruits of repentance, as you see from Matthew. There has to be fruits of repentance. That shows that there's a change. So these guys just don't do the outside. You're going to see that they're going to go in. There's going to be worship. There's going to be a whole change. Yeah, it's you I'm talking to. Get right with God. Make sure there's change. Verse 20. Early the next morning, King Hezekiah gathered the city officials together and went to the temple of the Lord. They brought seven bulls, seven rams, seven male lambs, seven male goats as a sin offering for the kingdom, for the sanctuary, and for Judah. The king commanded the priests, the descendants of Aaron, to offer these on the altar of the Lord. So they slaughtered the bulls, and the priests took the blood and sprinkled it on the altar. Next, they slaughtered the rams and sprinkled the blood on the altar, and they slaughtered the, the rams and then the lambs and the goats. The priests slaughtered the goats in verse 24 and presented the blood on the altar for a sin offering to atone for all Israel because the king had ordered the burnt offerings and the sin offering for all of Israel. Now in verse 25, he stationed the Levites in the temple of the Lord with cymbals and harps and lyres in the way God, in the way prescribed by David and Gad the seer and Nathan the prophet. And this was commanded by the Lord through the prophets. So the Levites stood ready with David's instruments and the priests with their trumpets. Hezekiah gave the order to sacrifice the burnt offering on the altar. As the offering began, singing to the Lord began, accompanied by trumpets and the instruments of David, king of Israel. 
The whole assembly bowed in worship while the singer sang and the trumpeters played. All this continued until the sacrifice of the burnt offering was complete. They had to worship a long time. All those animals. So see, one of the things that will happen, if you're truly a Christian, and in restoration, spiritual change, spiritual restoration always means restored, renewed worship. If you don't enjoy worshiping the Lord, better check your heart. See, I told you, we're made to worship. That doesn't mean you have to like only our kind of music, lots of different kinds, of, but we're made to worship God. So when there is change in our lives, it will happen through worship. And it's not just here. Remember, Ephesians says there should be a song in our heart. It should be a joy. I mean, it should be a wonderful thing. It doesn't mean we're goofy with it, but I mean, there's a joy down inside. We're worshiping God because he's worth it. Verse 29, when the offerings were finished, the king and everyone present with him knelt down in worship. King Hezekiah and his officials ordered the Levites to praise the Lord with the words of David and ask for the seer. So they sang praises with gladness. Notice, with gladness. And they bowed their heads and worshiped. Then Hezekiah said, You have now dedicated yourselves, circle that word, to the Lord. See, it really wasn't about the temple. It was about who? Themselves. Come and bring sacrifice and thank offerings to the temple of the Lord. So the assembly brought sacrifices and thank offerings for all, and all whose hearts were willing brought burnt offerings. Remember who the real temple is. Romans 12.1, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy, pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. You see, that's what God's talking about. And that's what you see here. When they did what was right, got their whole lives, they got their life cleaned out, they offered all the junk out, they offered themselves, that was what Hezekiah was talking about. Now, from verse 32 on down, we see some more burnt offerings, some more uh, all different kinds of things that are taking place. But I want you to look at verse 36 as we close tonight. Very important. Hezekiah and all the people rejoiced at what God had brought about for his people because it was done so quickly. Circle the word in verse 36, rejoiced. What happened? Here's what happened. The leaders had a desire to see God honored again. So they went to work. They went to work with excellence. They went in, they cleaned. Any of you ever rented a house that was a total disaster? And you had to get in and scrub and clean. And you know what it's like? And when you get done, you go, Whew, man. Well, that's what they did. They did this. They went in and got it all done. And then they put this sign up, a big sign up here that said this, open for business. It was no longer closed. In fact, I, I like a sign that went under it. I'm sure this didn't happen, but the sign that went under it was also this, under, you got it. And whose management was it? God's. And that's what he wants for your life. And my life, and here's the last statement tonight, don't miss it. When the temple, our temple is restored to prop or order, there will be great joy. As Pastor Mark exhorted us in our study of Second Chronicles 29, restoration must be a priority in our lives. Hezekiah led boldly in obedience to the Lord right from the start, which empowered the priests and the people to follow suit. 
Getting the temple and the nation back in order and focused on God took time. It didn't happen overnight. Our own lives may not turn around immediately when we commit to follow the Lord. We should maintain a commitment to excellence in everything we do. If our hearts are right, there will be repentance, change, and fruit produced from our lives. Facebook and Twitter have become a regular part of our everyday lives. And we want to be sure to encourage you to check out our Facebook page and Twitter feed. Log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the links. You can find information about everything that's happening at Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Again, to like our Facebook page and subscribe to our Twitter feed, log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Next time on Lessons for Living, King Hezekiah will continue to lead Judah into obedience to the Lord. He will reinstate the Lord's feasts, telling all of the nation to come to Jerusalem for Passover. He assures them that God is mighty and forgiving and that they shouldn't be hard-hearted and continue in their trespasses. We'll see that the same holds true today. If we yield to the Father, He will protect and prosper us. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Mark continues teaching through the book of Second Chronicles. That's next time on Lessons for Living. 